All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Forced Carry Podcast. I'm Jace Cobb, and with me, as always, is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. Steve, what you been up to? Oh, not a lot. Just um, was in New York this last weekend. Long took a long weekend up there with the wife, and um, was hanging out with uh, a buddy who was a former pro hockey player. So I hung out with a bunch of NH- former NHL players, um, which was fun. The Toronto Raptors stayed in my hotel uh, that I was staying at in, in New York. They were playing the Knicks, so I've just been hanging out with professional athletes, you know, uh, pretty much all week, and. Um, Got to admit, I was holding my own, at least when it came to the drinking department. Um, no fights being with the hockey guys? I know that can be a sketchy situation. but Let me tell you something about professional hockey players. Um, unbelievably, well, first of all, these are all a couple of guys that had a cup of coffee in the NHL, and mostly minor league guys or whatever, but beautiful wives and girlfriends and i'm talking about canadian dudes with dead teeth and uh and just i mean these guys look like they were they would be hanging drywall or or sweeping out the cvs uh but i guess the fact that they played professional on a professional level and can skate they had the hottest wives and girlfriends i mean amongst i mean top tier and they were all super successful they're all like working for like wall street firms or something living in london or whatever so I don't know. I, you know, they did honestly have a couple of guys. This uh, this one guy that apparently went viral in Boston because he kept texting this one girl and she screenshotted it on uh, Instagram and blasted him out to every girl in Boston. But still, seems like a nice group, and uh, we had a good time. Oh, okay, Steve. I mean, uh, fast. What you been up to? I well, first, just to jump on that. Uh, we like to talk about how golfers outkick their coverage. Hockey players consistently outkick their coverage probably more than any of the main sports, more than like football, baseball, basketball players, in my experience. Uh, me, I, I'm i excited because one of my really good friends, his wife gave birth earlier today. So we've got a new, beautiful, happy, healthy baby girl. I'm looking forward to seeing her in the next couple of days. Uh, other than that, it's beautiful day to day i've i've come to the realization that like 50 degrees and sunny is my perfect temperature i I don't really need it that much warmer like 50s and 60s is is perfect for me i need to i need to move to montana or somewhere santa barbara santa Santa Barbara. barbara every day it's 65 and sunny that that's that is me um what what have you been up to jace uh any big super bowl plans uh no I don't, I don't have any super bowl plans i'm sorry i just dropped something uh, i hope that made the podcast i'm pretty <laughs> sure chase just shattered a priceless vase or something uh no i was playing with this metal thing and dropped it uh we got invited to a couples like a big get together with no kids but my son is a huge pat mahomes fan obviously as a texas tech red raider um as i am he's a huge patrick mahomes fan he's seven and I think his heart would be broken if I didn't watch the game with him this year. So Super Bowls are always different to me. There's either there's the years where I could care less, couldn't care less who plays in it, who wins. I just want to go hang out with some friends. And then there's random every few years I have a rooting interest in it. This year I have a rooting interest in it. So I might just watch it, you know, stay at home, maybe have one or two friends over and just watch it with my son and, and pay attention to the game and actually watch the game because I actually care – 
about this Super Bowl when usually I I just am looking for an excuse to hang out and uh, you know do all that kind of stuff. All right, you you live in an area that with notorious uh, gambling issues. One of the greatest gambling days of the year is the Super Bowl, the the infamous square parties. You you, you got any square parties going down in there and in, uh, in oil country? Uh, yeah, I don't personally, but yeah, there will be some. There there will be some. I, we had one couple million a square. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. But there'll there'll be some good stuff. A few years ago, we went to Vegas for the Super Bowl. That was. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Vegas. I think we've talked about it maybe on the podcast before. One or two days max. Two days, absolute max. But it was actually kind of fun for a Super Bowl. Um, we we enjoyed it for that. So, anyways, what are you doing, Steve, for the Super Bowl? Um, I'm just super excited uh, for the Super Bowl. I probably will watch a little bit of the game, uh, mostly just to find out uh, when the commercials start because, you know, we do run a – golf-related podcast. We talk about golf a little bit. And um, the biggest event of the Super Bowl will be the Brooks Kepka Super Bowl commercial. Do you guys know about that? I do not. No. Well, Brooks Kepka is doing a Michelob Ultra commercial. Uh, we all know how uh, Brooks Kepka has a personality that just jumps off the screen at you. Uh, I mean, you know, he could sell ice to an Eskimo. So I'm looking forward to how he stares dully at a uh, television screen with his sleeves jacked up in a shirt a size too small. I'm sure at some point, maybe he'll drop a Bryson reference, I don't know, but that'll be the highlight of golf for the Super Bowl. So looking forward to it. And and by the way, this won't be close. Chiefs will win by two touchdowns. Ooh, I kind of think the 49ers are going to win, but okay. What is Bryson? You've got a Michelob Ultra commercial. Do we know anything else? He's with Jimmy Fallon, so I'm sure it will just give you douche chills the entire time. I mean, I don't. I actually like Brooks and I like Jimmy Fallon, but just put those three things together and multiply. I mean, sorry, put Jimmy Jim Jimmy Fallon in one side, Brooks Kepi in the other. Multiply by a Mick Ultra. The result is douchiness on your entire screen. So lest, lest anybody believe I really was looking forward to this commercial, I am not. There are probably other play other there's there's probably other golfers that I'd rather see in other brands commercials. You oh. know, I mean, there's a yeah, like who? I don't know. I'm sure we can think of I some mean, real quick. What what about what about what about the what about Pat Reed in a TurboTax commercial? You know, like oh, don't get caught cheating on your you know taxes like this guy <laughs> or whatever. You know, and he just looks back at the camera sheepishly and is like. Yeah, you know, like you won't get away with it like I did or whatever, you know. What do you I mean, give me you what do you think? There's so many options out there. Oh, the, uh I wish I wish I'd have known we were going to go down this route. I could have probably Bryson would be great at explaining how a deodorant works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a phenomenal commercial. Uh-huh. Br- Bryson needs to do a commercial for the WWE network. <laughs> that is the commercial I want to see. We need Phil in a Super Bowl commercial. What could Phil bring? Uh, Super Bowl commercial wise, I don't know which route he could possibly take. He's got so many, so many angles with Phil. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if he just did a commercial for his own Twitter page and was a Twitter account, which is like, "Hey, I'm Phil Mickelson. Here's my fireside. You know, I'd spend a million dollars on this and threw it at the camera. Maybe a like TD, TD Ameritrade uh, commercial. Yeah, right. for Phil. If you good. don't have inside info like I do, <laughs> talk to these guys, Charles Schwab. 
that's funny. Uh, okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else would be a funny. I mean, Jordan Spieth. You could have him. You know, just constantly hitting balls off the planet, and then it's like it lands in like exotic places, like one lands in a, in a, in a beach setting and one lands on like a mountaintop with snow. And, and it's like bookings.com. Where will your next vacation be? You know, that's <laughs> hey, uh, not bad. You're good at this, Steve. I, I, I am not bad. Anybody, come on. Somebody else come up with anything else. I'm, I'm trying to think of something for web, but everything I'm trying to think of is just relationship and general life advice. And I don't think that there's a, a life coach, there, there's not a, a company that gives life advice that I can think of, but that's what I really want. I want Webb Simpson to be my life coach. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got they got they got Ricky out there selling mortgages. You know, like he, what does that guy know about mortgages? I mean, surely Webb Simpson can be like, find your match on Match.com. Yeah. All right, maybe we maybe we've exhausted the whole Super Bowl commercial thing, but I don't know. I'm telling you right now, if I'm Pat Reed, I embrace the shit out of it. Catch a big endorsement deal off TurboTax or whatever. Tax Slayer, have a good time. Yeah. Justine needs that. You know what? Justine could do a TJ Maxx TJ commercial. TJ Maxx. But I doubt they got the dough for a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> Maybe the Puppy Bowl or something like that. Yeah. Um, speaking of Brooks and Bryson, since that's a never anything, we got a Brooks update for the weekend. We know what his plans are. Bryson, I don't know if anybody caught Bryson last week had a little meltdown wherever that tournament was um got put on the clock after he had said that he has gotten faster playing and then proceeded to bogey the last four holes and lose the tournament he was leading the tournament whenever they put him on the clock i didn't know if any of y'all saw that or had any thoughts on on bryson on that yeah i think it's funny that you want to uh you know just dismiss Abu Dhabi as wherever that tournament was played in. Not a huge coincidence. You're from fracking USA. Um, <laughs> you just don't even, these oil guys don't matter at all uh, over there. Um, and, and as we learned last week, he only cares about golf car- tournaments in the continental United States. Except for the open championship. I mean, that's the only, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, I don't know yeah, what to I, think about it. What, 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 who won? I, I'm blanking on who won. It uh, was, was it, is it Lucas Herbert? Yeah. yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I basically, basically Bryson was a shot out of the lead, got put on the clock, and then proceeded to meltdown, which leads me to my theory that I think a lot of this podcast is, you know, we think Bryson might be Superman in a lot of ways. Certainly looks a little bigger than Christopher Reeves circa 1977 right now. Uh, probably not as svelte in the waistline, but... Um, Maybe getting put on the clock is his kryptonite. I think it is. He's such a, I don't know, weird guy with the way he goes about his pre-shot routine and all that stuff. And if he feels like he can't do it, you know, I guess that brain of his just short circuits and I never melt down. Because he's, he's been put on the clock or worn before. And I want to say it's been a similar type happening. I think last year was it that he said he was going to fly and he played some round in like three hours and something. Wasn't that it? Shot like 75 or six. We were talking about that on one of the podcasts after he caught a bunch of flack for playing slow and he was out of the tournament. And on Sunday, he just like whizzed through some round played in, I don't know, just to prove a point, but didn't play good anyways. But all right. Well, on the flip side of Bryson, so another guy, I don't think it was the same tournament, but it was a guy in a, uh, another uh, tournament. Did you see the one who played the fastest round on the European tour ever? You see that guy? No. 
Yeah, he he made it a point. Obviously, he was must have been the first guy out, and he played in an hour and forty minutes ish. Wow! So he him and his caddy were. I mean, he had to be playing alone or his playing partner would have beat him with a club. They were sprinting in between shots, you know, and played an hour and forty minutes. So I've heard a lot of of a lot of you know pushback on the internet. Okay, I got it, but that's also not being you know true to the competitiveness of golf. But the guy shot a seventy five. You know, it, I mean, that's not Kevin, terrible. Kevin Nod did something similar a couple of years, and but played really well. And I don't know how much of it was him kind of – because he, he was Bryson before Bryson as far yeah. as slow play goes. So I don't know how much of it was him just kind of poking fun at himself doing that. But I want to say he shot around par when he did it, um, maybe even under par. But Jace, you've played rounds fast on purpose, maybe not sprinting from ball to ball because we get hard sometimes. But, but I mean – Sometimes I've played a lot better when I'm playing fast like that. You don't need it, but I mean, I'm not on the tour or anything. But at the same time, I mean, come on, the guy. If you if you get if you get a yardage and you know it's 150, you don't have to think about it for 45 seconds before you hit a 150 yard shot. No, and and what we were talking about before the podcast, if they would just give these guys range finders, that would speed up. I mean, I don't know, a, a few minutes, a hole, a minute, a hole. I mean, that's. You know, that's 20, 30 minutes over a round. Probably they could save if they just give these guys range finders. Um, Why can't you just GPS map a whole golf course? It's not that expensive. Uh, you know, you could do it. It's probably already done for every single one because they're not playing on some sheep ranch. Oh, wait a minute. That's actually like a decent golf course. But, like, you know, like a, they're not playing on some crappy golf. These places are already mapped. Just give them the damn cool thing. Give them, like, their caddy a little iPhone. with a, I just don't like you to your point. I get it when you're playing with a caddy at a club. It's kind of cool to walk off yardages and figure it out. But if you're in a golf tournament and you're trying to perform at the highest level, like, do we really want to find out who the best caddy is to give the best yardages or just give the guy this yardages and let him hit it? I don't know. Maybe well, that's getting back to driving range golf. Well, it's, I mean, it's not like it's a secret. Like, it's, it's a, you can figure out how far out you are. There, I mean, I don't know why they try to make it, you know what I mean? Everybody, you just, Walk it off. You add it up. You see how far the pin is from the front. You run the numbers. You figure out how far the hole is. Like it's not like it's a. It doesn't add any element of difficulty to the um, tournament to try to figure that out yourself because you all eventually arrive at the right answer. It just it's a step that people don't need to take. It it's just pointless. I mean they use it in every level of golf except for pro golf. There's no to me. There's just no reason they shouldn't give them range finders. It speed up the game. Uh, you know, I just don't understand it. I will push back on you a little bit that everybody will eventually arrive at the correct answer. <laughs> Almost everyone. Because I'm sure you guys remember a couple of years ago when in the Masters in the final round and DJ hit it about 20 yards over the green. I think it was six or seven. And they asked <laughs> what happened. And Austin... DJ's brother and caddy had the pin sheets from the day before <laughs> in for that hole and gave him the wrong number, which was still doesn't even make sense actually. But, um, so I'm not so sure that all the people are going to come to the right answer, but you're right. The right answer is attainable in that situation. Sure. The, uh, the wins. DJ's DJ's good enough already. Like we don't need to put him on a level playing field with his yardage and with his caddy work. Uh, that would be unfair to the rest of the tour to give. Well, I mean, Austin can figure out how to screw up a rangefinder. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. You got to use the rangefinder if you give them to the, them. So it's true. Yeah, I mean, the wind's the only factor that you've got to figure out, anyways. That that changes. The, That's the variable that you you can't solve. But just yardages is stupid. I don't know why they don't do it. Um, 
forgot what I was going to, what, what we were going to go to. We were going to talk about the waste, anything you want to talk about before the tournament last week, Steve or Fats? Uh, well, I mean, the news came out this week about that World Golf League. Oh, that's what uh, it was. I mean, yeah. I mean we, we could bump into that. Uh, yeah, let's I mean, talk about that. For, I mean that I you know I don't know how much I think we talked about this a little bit today. Y'all aren't super familiar with what even the proposal is, right? Yeah. Just very vaguely, but uh, you said you know a little bit about it, so. Yeah, I mean, just what's out there, and it's a very vague thing. And, and you know, there's this conspiracy theory, and I know we're very fond of that uh, on this podcast. That this is really just bullshit that uh, has just come out and they're trying to, this is, this is guys like Rory and Tiger that their management and their agents are like trying to pressure the PGA tour to structure the future compensation of the top players differently. And that's really what this is all about. And it's because it's right before the TV deal, uh, TV deals coming up, uh, CBS, NBC, they're going to throw God knows how much money at it. I, I don't, I can make up a figure, but I want to say it's almost you know, it, it, it'll be in the billions over the course of the deal. So it's a big, it's a big number. So as they negotiate that, I think this is the perfect time for you to throw your leverage in and be like, Hey, you're not anything. If Rory, Tiger, JT, DJ, if we all go somewhere else, good luck getting people to watch, you know, Kirk triplet and, uh, you know, Kevin Nah battle it out. Kirk triplets might not even be alive, but anyway, um, so th- essentially what they're trying to do uh, th- they release this manifesto or whatever you want to call it that is just basically all the things that are wrong with the PGA Tour's current product, and they're all correct. They don't. The sponsorships are all messed up. The tournaments are all crazy. The fact that one tournament might be the best players in the world and the next tournament, nobody's there. But somehow those are the same FedEx points. So you get these random people winning tournaments, and you've got, you know, Cam Champ has every opportunity to win the Tour Championship as as a guy like JT. And while golf is a particular sport, and you know Jace might have some thoughts on this, on like individual accomplishments should every time should should matter. Your stars should still be if you're trying to be a sports league. You know, and the NBA does this the best. And now this week with Kobe Bryant, obviously that's kind of you know they make stars and they put their stars in the forefront as much as they possibly can. And that the PGA tour does not do that. So without me rambling on for 20 minutes about this, I mean, Greg Norman tried to do this back in the day when he was the number one player in the world, they squashed it and uh, they eventually tried to copy it with the WGCs and we can make fun of the WGCs as much as we want. Oh yeah. Maya Koba, what a crappy tournament or this Chinese tournament they play who cares but get and then every time it happens the leaderboard is unbelievable and you're like huh well it's great great leaderboard well yeah no shit because all the great players showed up because there's so much money and there's so many points and there's all this stuff going so there's something to it if they throw a ton of money at it um and they get the best players in the world we're gonna watch that's all we care about is watching the best players in the world again we don't really care about watching some of these scrubs win every once in a while or compete, we really want to see this, the, the real high-end guys play. So it's got some legs for sure if it actually happens. The the interesting part to me, and not that I know a ton about it, but I did like the the team concept. I like team golf. I want to see more team golf. So figuring out different ways to do that uh, is intriguing to me. I don't know how they want to go about doing that. Uh, I know they talked some about four-man teams. I, I I don't know if they know exactly what all they are proposing. It, there's definitely 
kinks to work out. I don't know how you limit it to 48 guys. I don't know how you would um how you would make up for injuries, guys coming in and out. I don't know if there's uh, some concept of relegation where guys move in and out of that 48. I don't know if guys move up and in and out of different levels within that 48. J- just different things like that that I would be interested in hearing some of the things that they want to propose. I I wonder if there is a way to do it in conjunction with the PGA Tour. Uh, even though uh, Jay Monahan has come out and said that anyone who wants to join a different league, like they will no longer be a PGA Tour player, or they, they won't be able to play in both leagues should this league come to fruition. Don't yeah, know how much it, t- don't know how much of that is him just um just saying that. And, tell that to Rory. What's he gonna say? You know, what are you yeah. gonna do to him? Well, especially if if they have some Saudi billionaire who's backing this, who it's a drop in the bucket to him to do something like that, and all of a sudden you're giving out five, ten million dollars for first place finishes in these events. Um these guys are going to jump from a PGA tour to a different league. If you can win, what did the winner make last week? 1.3 million. So Mark Leishman makes 1.3 million or you win a 48 player event and you're making 10 million. Like the best players that that money is going to talk. Too many unanswered questions for us to go too far into it. I guess It, it is an interesting concept and it's interesting to think about, but there's a lot of road to pave before be, before we really, I think, have to worry about guys having to make that decision on which tour they would actually play on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it came out that, you know, it was this nebulous thing that might not happen, but this week, it can't, I mean, the last 48 hours, it's come out that there is a specific, I can't remember the name of the group, but it's a, it's a big, like, sort of hedge fund, sort of money management folks that are out of, England, I believe, and they, like you said, Fats, $2 billion to get this started is a drop in a bucket in them. And so if you could, let's just say you could, try to take down the NBA, which is a you know, $25 billion you know, uh, enterprise. Well, it would be like you the XFL, it. right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, the XFL, if the XFL had the money. Best players. To go pull them off, and if the NFL players were so disgruntled, because right. that's the whole point, and I think that's what I think, Jason, your issue with this is, it, my because the the PGA Tour, the way it's structured right now, it's hard to look at these guys and be like, oh, you make fifteen million dollars a year at the top end, and a million dollars, oh, they're they're not compensated enough, but the PGA Tour winnings for that, I could go look it up, but they don't even clip fifteen million bucks for the number one, number two guys. I mean, I know that you get ten million for winning the tour championship, so that's obviously an outlier, but um they're just not compensated the way that they should be. I mean, even a guy like Jordan Spieth, who's fallen off the map, his tournament earnings are nothing. If this was another sport, he would have signed a big contract a couple of years ago and he would be protected a little bit. And, you know, it's it's just a little bit it's unfair to the top players. Tiger Woods has changed changed everything a long time ago to where now all these guys, you know what your dream should be? You know what you should want your son to do? It's not to be the number one ranked player in the world. Yeah, that's great. But you know what would be great? Be the number 75 ranked player in the world because you'll play on the PGA Tour for the rest of your life. They'll ensure that you always get a paycheck 
And that's the people that seem to benefit the most from the system as in place now. Yeah. And one of my favorite golfers, Chad, is a great example of that. Um, Without disparaging him too much, didn't win that many tournaments. He was at one time top 20 all time on uh, career earnings. I don't know what he is now, but I mean, just made a great living, just making cuts in top 20 and for 10 straight years and not winning a lot of tournaments, not winning any majors and made, made a great living, you know, riding, riding that wave and doing that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think, what would you say to people, Steve, that say maybe other sports should be like golf where it's a true meritocracy. Whereas if you're the best player, you make the most money. Whereas a lot of sports pay you off potential golf pays you off of results. I mean, I mean, I get it 100%, but it's not fair to the guys at the top that change everything for everybody. And again, the fact that, that, that you could view it as an apocalyptic situation for the PGA Tour, uh, don't take the top 48. Take the top 20. Just remove them from the tour. Would you watch? You know what? You know what that event is? It's Sea Island. Okay? Do you want to watch Sea Island? Do you want to watch? I mean, when, where's another tournament where literally none of the top 20 players in the world are there? I mean, you don't watch those golf tournaments. You don't even talk about them. You don't even the, think about them. The, the American that, Express two weeks ago. Yeah, and, and you know what? You feel happy for the guy that you, that won, but he's usually a scrub. And, uh, you know what? Actually, you frame it as good for this guy. It's great that this guy did that. And, I, and that is good for that guy. But that's my whole point. It benefit. How many of those? How many players like Justin Thomas or Justin Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy got their start winning shit tournaments and then went on? It's no. That's that's not. That's just the, that you're always going to stay in that area. Now, again, you got to fill up a schedule and you got to fill up a TV schedule, and that's what the PGA Tour is. But that, but that's the whole point of this new golf league is that they do not do a good job putting the best product on tv in front of fans that they should it's basically like if the nba you know floated out the the, uh you know what's the worst two teams in the league the magic versus the hawks every other week you know who would watch it but they just shove it down your throat and they get amex to sponsor it and you know they roll it out there and say hey deal with this you know they, they, they get one or two guys ricky will show up and sign some autographs yeah, this is a huge tangent, and it's all it's there's not. a million variables, but you know it, it, it's just it just kind of shows you the the holes in the tour as is. I mean, Tiger's made the most, you know, with his endorsements and everything, whatever. But basically, he signed a 24 year, 120 million dollar contract in '96. If you looked at him as you'd look at a football player, and I don't know the economics of golf, you know, I'm not going to be one of these people that say they should make as much money as you know, whatever, because I don't know how much money, you know, the PGA tour generates and how, you know, I don't, I don't understand that part of it, but I do understand that in 24 years, Tigers made $30 million more than Phil, which is about, you know, a little over a million dollars a year more than Phil. And there's no way that should be the case. There's that's one season in any other sport, one season. Yeah. I mean, Tiger has done more for the game than anybody. He should be, four or five times the next highest payer, highest paid player in career earnings. That part of it is, I mean, I get it. It's, I mean, 
when you look at them compared to other athletes. But I, then again, like I said, I don't know what the PJ Tour makes. You know, Roger Federer doesn't make a lot of money, you know, comparatively. I don't know how much money tennis makes. Um, but it is – I don't know how the retirement situation works in um, – pro golf either i don't know how that that part of it works and i also know that the expenses are really high in pro golf and they're not that high in other sports you know you don't have year-long travel expenses and whatnot in football i mean you know what i mean you ride a team bus to go or on a helicopter or a plane to go play uh basketball games you stay in a team hotel you do all that kind of stuff golfers pay their whole way they pay their caddy they pay their coach Yep. You know, it's that part of it's way different than other sports. So when you start looking at what they actually make, once they pay their coaches, you get that for free in other sports. Travel, you get that for free in other sports. Lodging, you get that for free in other sports. There's not much of an off season. You know, baseball players play all year too, but they, they travel for free. They, you know, do, they do all that stuff. It doesn't eat into their salary. So when you kind of look at it like that, um, I think – you see people like Rory and them, there's some validity to what they say. And then, you know, a lot of the good players don't like these easy courses they play because it makes it harder for them to win, puts more people in the field that can uh, um, compete with them. And I think they'd rather just play, you know, just the 40 best guys on a kind of courses that they like and set up that, you know what I'm saying, top, that type deal. So Rory especially seems to have the most to say about this kind of stuff. And I'll be anxious to see – how that looks going forward. I think there will definitely be some changes. You've seen Tiger and Phil do their match play deal. You see Tiger doing his golf TV stuff now. You see these people kind of branching out and making more money doing other <clears throat> with other avenues. So I'm anxious to see how it ch- it's going to change in the next 10 years. I don't know if, if this is going to be what it is, but I think you're going to see some changes for sure, especially with people you can kind of sense the, you know, disgruntled players you know on tour kind of being more disgruntled with the current um setup in my opinion too so and and it's not going to help when the pga tour inevitably acquires you know the the european tour and the pga tour i don't want to say merge that's not right but they're going to continue to sort of like share players share venues and that kind of thing have i mean that's that's coming so you know again whether this is a real thing that's going to pop off I don't know, but you know, it'd be interesting to hear Tiger talk about it. You know, Phil said that he would be interested. Frankly, I don't know why anybody would pay to see Phil Mickelson play golf um, right now, but you know, it's a big draw. And I think to your point, that match that they had a couple of years ago, it changed everything. Why go through all this? Why go through all this? And there's no guarantee of getting paid when you can just play five hours and make $10 million. I mean, and that's out there. What would you pay to watch Tiger and Rory play? I mean, th- you know, Rory and, and Tiger versus uh, Brooks and uh, Bryson, whatever. That's, you know, it, it, it would be, I would have more interest in that than any tournament besides a major. But so, the, the interesting thing is, how many times have we said Tiger's name during this conversation? If you take Tiger out of the equation, because he's not going to be around for very much longer at how much of this falls apart? Like how much of this is dependent on a a, a guy of Tiger's stature? Because yes, like I'm there to watch, excuse me. I'm there to watch Tiger and Rory play Bryson and Brooks or whoever you just said, but how many people are there to watch Patrick Reed, 
and Justin Thomas play Webb Simpson and Matt Kuchar. Like not very many people. I I I don't know how many people there are that can carry that. I mean, no one can carry it once Tiger passes it along. Rory, I think people pay to see. DJ people would pay to see. Uh, even we talked about Brooks with his Super Bowl commercial. I'm I'm not paying to watch Brooks pay golf or play golf. I, I would much rather watch Rory, DJ, a couple of those guys. But I'm not even I'm not even that excited to watch the guys four, five, six in the world like John Rom, JT, Xander, Cantley, some of those guys um, in a full tournament. Maybe I don't know how excited I am to watch them play two on two, four on four, or whatever this format would be. Once you take Tiger, Rory, DJ out of that equation, well, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe maybe that's the whole point. Maybe if you're Xander Shoffley, you're like, shit, man, what is the sixth best player in the NBA getting right now? What what's what's the tenth best player in MLB? And granted, golf is probably one tenth of those sports revenue, uh, maybe less than that, but. What's the tour doing for Xander Schauffele? Nothing, nothing at all. And if he stops playing well, he's gone. You know, he's not a star. They just don't do a good job making stars. That, and the way they do it is so lame, so pathetic, so transparent. Um, it's just, it's just a kind of a a broken tour. And um, look, obviously for a golf podcast, it's hard to to sit here and take the, the, the number one avenue in golf and really rip it to shreds, but it could just be so much better. I mean, why do we have so much focus on these random tournaments? Have le- you know, have less tournaments. Get rid of, you know, merge the last two weeks' tournaments. Get rid of the Phoenix Open. Condense it down a little bit. And that's probably not the right answer, but certainly some kind of answer like that because you're not going to get the top players to play more than 30 times a year. So why not have them play together 30 times a year? And that's the whole point. So, yeah, I'm with you. Somebody could do a really good job of just setting up match play events. I mean, who wouldn't pay? Uh, a lot of the public, but who would? Who? What golf fans wouldn't pay to watch Brooks and Bryson play each other tomorrow in a one-on-one match? I mean, tons of golf fans would pay for that, and and they they don't realize that they could probably make quite a bit of money on that just because it'd be hilarious if they had them mocked up, had you know actually made it an event so you can actually know these people. Um, you know, or, or to or to your point, fine. You know what? Let's have an exhibition on a Wednesday. B- Bryson, pick a partner that's willing to play with you, and B- Brooks, pick a partner, and let's let's do this. Let's play. You know what? We'll give you a million dollars a piece. Not a lot of money, but it's worth it to put that on tape. Now the problem is they're going to play it Wednesday at four o'clock in the afternoon, but at the same time, like that would be worthwhile. Things like that. The PGA Tour does not allow that kind of stuff to happen. And the reason why they don't allow it to happen is because it's a it's a competition to their product Thursday through Sunday. They do not want competition for their product Thursday through Sunday. And frankly, the reason why they don't competi- want that competition is because the guys 50 to 175 don't want that competition. So that that's where this is. And I mean, this is every sport. The guys at the top, they want a bigger chunk of the share because it doesn't all all it could all go away tomorrow. If the top, this will not happen, but if the top 48 players in the world said, we're done, we're going to form our own league, and we're going to play, 
all over the country. Well, that's the that would be the tournaments we now watched, mm-hmm. and the rest would be just minor leagues. Yeah. So I wonder how when you far- have that when you have that much power, you got to exert it when you can. I wonder how far we're off from golfers doing their own, <clears throat> just setting up their own stuff completely. Like I don't know why somebody doesn't have their own YouTube um, channel. I mean, there's no telling how many subscribers somebody would get if these nobody these nobody golf podcast guys that can't break 95 go get 750,000 views of people just watching them play golf at some random golf course trying to break 85 like imagine if tigers like watch get on my youtube channel and watch me play rory heads up at whatever just me and him cussing doing all the stuff they do betting doing all that kind of stuff I mean, they'd have millions and millions of views. They'd make quite a bit of money just doing that in their off time. I don't know why they don't capitalize on that kind of stuff. There's such a big market for it. I mean, every every week I get onto YouTube. Way of thinking. Do what? I'm sorry. I think I broke out. That's the problem. They're locked into that old school way of thinking. It's got to be the way it is. You're to your point. You're right. Have a handheld camera. Follow them around. Yeah. Put it on YouTube. Get everybody out of the mix. But you know that's. You know, again, to your point, Fast, you said this earlier, when Tiger's gone, who knows, man? Who knows? Because when he was gone for a little bit, it was kind of the doldrums for the ratings for them. So, Like, I wish I was old enough to remember or to just know what it was like. You know, I don't know when – I know Jack won a Masters in 86, but his prime had been over for a while. And I wonder what it was like, that transition period. I mean, there wasn't much going on from, you know, kind of those – late 70s, early 80s, till like Tiger came. That was a good stretch of not a lot of juice on the tour. You mean you had Greg Norman, some of those guys, but nobody that moved the needle at all, then Tiger came. There's no one in the pipeline that I'm aware of that's even going to come within a tenth of Tiger. I'm not going to say it's never going to happen again because I'm sure everybody that loved Jack thought there'd never be a guy that was like that again. Um, There will be somebody else that (laughs) most likely that draws people to the sport – but there's nobody out there right now that we've heard of. There's no juniors out there. Tiger was popular when he was in middle school. Um, yeah, it's going to be a weird time in these next few years when Tiger leaves and there's not there's nobody on the tour right now. I love golf without Tiger because I just love golf. I enjoyed watching it. It's better with Tiger. But, you know, most people aren't like me. The average fan's not going to care. And it's going to be interesting to see how that happens with all what we're talking to. Um money setting contracts doing all that kind of stuff because that's got to be in the back of everybody's mind too um when you start negotiating that kind of stuff is how long is is the main money maker going to be here and how long is it going to be relevant so yeah glad glad they don't have to negotiate that tv contract the day after tiger retires it's probably pretty good timing to do it right now because, I mean, you know, I mean, what is, CBS, does CBS want to lose the Masters right now? I mean, of course, that's probably something that's locked in. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, tournament last week, anything important you want to talk about real quick before we go to Waste Management? I thought it was an okay tournament. I'm Again, I don't like separate courses. I don't like losing shot tracker stuff for a day. Um, trying to think of anything really stood out to me tournament-wise. I watched quite a bit of it, um, uh, but nothing really stood out to me. Didn't know if y'all saw anything that caught y'all's interest, uh, Steve or Fats. Just a lot of a lot of bad golf. There, there's a lot of good golf too, late. But Rom Rom was shaky 
most of the weekend. Uh, got up and down from everywhere on Saturday, which uh, somehow he shot seven under on Saturday, which he turned up 73 into 65. I was not surprised he played so poorly on Sunday starting out. I was surprised that Rory played so poorly on Sunday. He just couldn't get off the tee box to start the round. They both bounced back and came back, but uh, happy for Leishman. He just, he made every single putt he looked at Sunday. Uh, I would give the tournament maybe a B. I'd give it a B plus if they got rid of the North, the, the one round on the North course. I'm looking forward to the U S open next year, just to see a full four rounds all at Torrey on the South course. Uh, but all in all, uh, good leaderboard, good tournament, but just a lot of bad golf over the weekend. I thought F- phenomenal leaderboard, uh, top 10 Leishman, Rom, McElroy, Snedeker, Hoge, Watson, Watson, Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, Tiger Woods. I mean, it's pretty strong. I was upset again. Jordan Spieth has picked up right where he left off. Played good Thursday, Friday. Terrible Saturday, Sunday. I thought that was going to be just a year year habit that he had to kick. Um, no real blow-up holes for him, but I'm extra um, invested in him this year to see. This is a This is kind of a turning point year for – in my opinion, for him. I don't think he can handle another year like last year. Uh, started off hitting the ball good and then just the same type stuff. Couldn't move the other direction on Saturday, Sunday, just like he did virtually every tournament last year. Um, it's just weird. I don't understand it. It's not that he's bad. It's not like he lost it like Duval and just can't play. He makes birdies. He looks like a top 15 player in the world on Thursday and Friday and then looks like he shouldn't be on tour on the weekend. So I don't understand it. But I, I hope he has just a average run of the mill week this week because I've got my eye on him for next week. Get him to get him to pebble. pebble. Um, uh, Spyglass and whatever the third course, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. He, he shouldn't get in a ton of trouble with the driver next week. And he's always, he's always putted. Well, he's always played well at pebble. I, I want to see him just, just that average, I, I would take like a decent ball striking week and just can't get a putt to fall this week where someone who's not really digging into the numbers uh, just looks at him with another T40 and thinks whatever he's toast. I I think he, I think he wins this year. I, I think he is going to get it back. I believe in him, and I just, um, I want it... I don't want it to um, – what's the way to put it? I, I, I don't want everyone else to get on him before I have the chance to jump on him, mainly from a DraftKings perspective, because no one is playing him. No one played him last week. No one's going to play him this week. And I, I've i got my eye on him to to pick a spot for him soon because I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to play well at Riv, too. He almost – last year, I think, he was – in a position to lead, and then the weather got horrible, and he got a bad draw on the weekend, played bad one round, and kind of shot himself out of it. But he was never going to play good at Torrey. I mean, that's that's not a course. I mean, if there was a course not built for him, that's the course. So I didn't expect him to play good this week. I was surprised that he shot good the first two days. I wish he would have at least just played decent on the weekend. Shot evens would have been better than kind of what he's been doing, more over par weekends. But 
Uh, yeah, it's hard to say much at Torrey. Torrey, even in his prime, he's not winning at Torrey. Um, he just doesn't hit it far enough. He's not good enough off the tee to win to win there. So, not surprised at that. But like I said, he's outside of Tiger. He's the most interesting player on tour to me, just because it's a, uh, you know, interesting. Never never know what's going to happen, Steve. Weird golf course uh, for for Tiger to 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 yeah. not compete well on, right? But. He, the, so you're like, ah, tied, tied for ninth, never really scared the lead, had that four putt. But this is his best finish in like 10 years or so, uh, in a long time. I think he's got no prayer of winning. Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, U.S. Opens are going to be extremely difficult for him to win, especially when you set up this course as a U.S. Open course. But, I mean, the guy was – it was it had the potential to win this golf tournament if he would have kind of shook off a couple of that bad putting round – Still striking his irons as good as anybody, um, and his driver looked really, really good this week. I mean, he was long. I mean, he played with Rom the first couple rounds, and Rom got him a couple times. And I think Tiger said after the, he said, "Look, if Rom wants to go at it, there's no, there's absolutely no way I can get up to him." Well, the guy's a 25 year old monster, right? Tiger shouldn't be trying to worry about that if he can just hit it in the fairway. I just thought it was incredibly good. It just goes to show you that Tiger's still capable of driving the ball really, really well. If he can ever piece together a drive, if he had drives the ball like this at Augusta, he might win by five strokes. Um, Tiger's one of the best players in the world. I mean, he can. Coming off a huge break. He's rusty, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, we, we talked about that before. I put no stock into his tournament rest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yes, he is. Um, even last year, before the Masters, I didn't put much stock into his win at the Tour Championship. I just thought he caught a small field at the right time and, and won. Um, I was very impressed with Augusta, but I never thought at any point, really at all, last year that like he's re- legitimately one of the best players in the world. I thought he'd always competed at Augusta. I didn't put much in the Tour Championship, but watching him at Melbourne, watching him this past week watching them like as hard courses he's just as good as anybody he's not just good for his age or good for coming back from what he's come back from he's you can make a case you know his a stuff might beat everybody's a stuff right now at his age and i didn't get that feeling last year so i hope he starts healthy and keeps playing because he can win several tournaments this year i believe Starts to make me think that everybody last year was like, okay, Augusta, he can win. Um, U.S. Open, not a chance. PGA, eh, maybe depending on the venue. And British Open, probably not because it's cold, right? I'm starting to think British Open, he, he could start. I mean, the way that his game is right now, I mean, look at Melbourne is basically a US Open, uh, British Open course, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't count him out in any of the majors this year, except maybe Wingfoot. I mean, but even Wingfoot can is gettable for him. It's not super. Long. I mean, again, it all depends on his health. And I mean, after he won the Masters last year, I don't know if he got drunk for five weeks and just was hung over the rest of the year, or he just, you know what? I mean, he actually said it. I just was not motivated to practice. I mean, maybe that's it. You know, so we'll see. Maybe he's just going to win a major at a time. But I, I really. I, I really think watching him this week, it was almost to your point what you were saying that's about Spieth is that I really think that this almost better for him to have a week like he did this week. You know, it's just rounding into form kind of thing. Um, who who have we doing our uh, one and done league? 
Let's see. I've got it here. Steve had the best suite with Finau with a T6. Uh, brought home 253K. You had Keegan with a T16 with another 114K. So, and I finally got off zero. Hideki finished with a strong T45. So I'm up to just over $22,000. I believe Keegan was, was he top three, top five? Yes, he was uh, like, going in the weekend. Man. And then Finau and Hideki were both round they were t15 or t17 after the second round and just went opposite directions yeah keegan i was feeling really good about my keegan pick on thursday and friday and then then i read an article that he's playing like a game improvement driver and i i regretted picking him and i regretted saying he's gonna make a rider cut push because he's playing a draw is he hitting a hammer he's a hammer (laughs) i don't i doubt they're legal he's playing some draw bias like max driver that you know the people that i hang out with that can't break 95 play so i don't really know what that's all about uh, but he really drives it good so i i'm uh, you know whatever but i kind of soured on him when i heard his new equipment change yeah so. it i could see him using like a square strike or a weird putter <laughs> i i don't i don't think of Ke- like keegan's one of the best drivers on tour he is he, he is mr like He's, he's total driving. Like he hits it a long way and he hits it very straight. Like I'm surprised that he is using uh, a weird driver. Me too. It, it caught me off guard because he does hit it so good off the tee. Did you see that, Steve? Yeah, they're all dorks. They all sit in an equipment shed and they don't even look where the ball goes. And they're just like, huh, those numbers look good. And I'm sure they do. And that's what, I mean, isn't that it? I mean, am I yeah. wrong? No, you're I right. I mean, that's, I mean, it's. 10 years ago, you'd hand that guy the driver and he'd be like, get this out of my face. I'm a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to play that. But now they just go, oh, well, look at these numbers. And they go, well, launch angle. Oh, oh, let's do it. And, and, and you know what? Maybe that's for the best. Um, but it just, ugh, it just gross to me. It just gross. It, it's like uh, if I was a professional bowling fan and they put bumpers in the lanes or if uh you know we're we're playing professional basketball and we you know let them use a small it, it's just I don't like it man I I just I know that it's legal it's just does that seem right to you don't pros need to play with professional equipment I don't know one good player except for Keegan that likes anything draw biased or closed at address so it, it just makes no sense to me whatever who am I to question him he drives it yeah. We had this uh, conversation a couple weeks ago. I don't think we put it on the podcast. We were talking about it when Rory put that hybrid in his bag. And we're like, what is this shit? Where are you going to even hit it? I saw him hit it three times this week. Really? It was like, yeah, it was like 255 out. And it was like, it landed like a seven iron. Yeah, that's why. Um, That's why. And yeah, it's, you know, I don't. Maybe it's maybe they put it in their bag for literally. Maybe that's so I don't have to hit a driver on a long par five. I hit a three wood hybrid because yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, John Rom hit a weird shot this week where um, he was like, I think it was eight. It was eighteen. Rory hit an iron in. You know, and Rom didn't even know he had to make an eagle. By the way, did you know that he he thought he was good to go with a birdie to get no playoff? Ridiculous. I, I what I, in the cat just whatever, but so Rom hit like a big high cut with his three wood, 
you know, that is where the hybrid comes in, right? I mean, and I guess, you know, there's a lot of talk that he would have hit iron in if he knew he had to get it close or whatever. But um, anyway, it's just the whole game. And that, that, is, that does not make the professional game better, by the way. How, I, I don't think. How do you not I mean, know I, what you are on 18 in that situation? Now, I'm all for not looking at leaderboards or knowing where you're at during the round. But if you're on the last hole and the only way you make it is to make an eagle and you need to know that, that cause you know, if it's a par four and you have to make a par, whatever, you're trying to make a par birdie anyways, maybe you play a little more conservative, maybe not. You probably don't. But if like the only way you play in is to make an eagle, you better know that in that situation because there's a lot of other ways you can play a hole if you don't have to make eagle or if you're just trying to play the hole that inexcusable, yeah. I have no clue how that happens. At the very least, no on 18. Right. You know, just on 18. Sure. You hear it in majors every year where it's like, you know, a guy's down, you know, the guy's already in the close. He's got to hold this shot. Just, you know, well, wouldn't it be nice to know, even if you're 100 yards away, you have to hold a shot? Because if you didn't know you had to hold a shot, you hit it out 12 feet right. But if you have to hold a shot, you try to hold. Yeah. So who's, I I never, I didn't dig into it because I didn't care, but I assume it was just, the caddy's fault. That's the caddy's job, right? I mean, both blame both of them. That's I don't understand how the caddy doesn't tell him or that he doesn't ask the caddy. I'm both. I just don't understand that situation on eighteen, on hole seventy two. I don't know how that happens. But. Maybe Rom uses a, a learning experience, and him coming in second is is um the guy is right now the best player on the planet. Uh, I mean, look at his results the last six months or so. Him and Rory right now, I, I think, are not even, not even, no, I mean, we all love Tiger, but if you're just going out there and, and, and blasting away at a normal PGA golf course, you're taking Rom or Rory all day right now, am I right? I mean, maybe JT's in that discussion, but Rom, even though he played like shit on Sunday, and it still took a guy shooting a 65 to catch him. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what he, I, go ahead. No, I I missed the first part. I, who who uh, won last week and uh, who had the best results out of our group on the pick'em thing? No, so you did with Phoenix. Oh, okay, that's okay. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. I'll write that down on my spreadsheet. If, if I would have known that uh, Keegan was playing, you know, a driver that a lawyer from Charleston would play, then uh, you know, I probably not, I probably wouldn't have picked him. But uh, you know, whatever. So. You'll know. You'll know if he's really in that camp. If he switches to a different club next week, <laughs> yeah, because that's when you're really going to know the guy's just literally just in Nevada, Bob, just picking out which club to, to buy. Yeah, Fats. shout out to shout out to Nevada Bob's by the way. <laughs> Send us a sponsorship, Fats. You know, um, tournament this week, doing any gambling? Little everybody knows about this course, this tournament. Um, you got anything useful that the betting public can, uh, you know, use whenever they. Think about the course when they're picking winners. Good players play here. We talked play good here. We talked about it before. But what else you got? Absolutely. I'm I am only looking at the last five years. They did not a redesign, but just kind of kind of updated the course a little in 2014. So looking just at the last five years is what I would go to. And when you look that those last five winners are strong. I uh, go all the way back to Brooks in 2015. Then Hideki won back to back. 
Woodland in 2018, and Ricky last year. You're going to be hard-pressed outside of a major, and even some majors, to find a five-year stretch, the last five years, where the winners are that consistently strong. So it's a good field at the top this week. And similar to last week, I I am not going to go very deep into the odds with anybody that I'm betting on as an outright winner. The the favorite is John Rahm at six to one, and that's just as good as he's been. That's just too short for me to get on. But we kind of talked about how there's probably three guys that we would put in a tier above everyone else lately with a Rom and with a Rory and with JT. I am curious why Rom is six to one and why JT is nine to one. Nine to one is, I mean, I normally would not go that short, but there does seem to be value there. Like if you're looking at those two guys and think it's basically a coin flip, if I'm betting one of those two, I'm going to bet on JT at 9-1. to one. Now, I probably ultimately will not bet on him, but if you're betting a guy at the very top, I, I'm looking at him at 9-1 to one before I am Rahm at 6-1. to one. And then it's similar on DraftKings. They're the two highest-priced guys in the field. Rahm is the highest price at 11-4. JT is at 11-2. And if you're wanting to start a lineup with one of those guys at the very top, then give me JT over Rom, just at the better odds and at the lower price on DraftKings. My decision that I am considering where I'm going to start my betting card, Webb is the third favorite at 14 to 1. If you look at my modeling, and I ran it at a long range, mid range, and then recent. So if you look at the long range modeling, just over the last 100 rounds, Webb is the number one guy in the model. If you look at the mid-range value, Webb is the number two guy in my model. If you look at short-term, Webb is the number one guy. The only problem is Webb has not won. I don't think he's won since that um, Players' Championship two years ago. He finishes second damn near every week. If I could bet on him to finish second, then I would look at that bet. But 14-1 to for an outright is the first guy that I'm considering. Hideki's next at 14 to 1. Hideki owns this place, but he's just been too shaky. And which probably means that you should bet him because I bet him last week. I loved him last week. He was my one and done last week, and he didn't make a putt to save his life. So I'm jumping off this week, which means all of you should probably jump on because that's my move is to bet a guy, bet a guy for a couple of weeks, stop betting him. And then the week I stop betting him is the week he wins. So this is probably a Hideki week, but I'm not going to be on him if he wins. Ricky at 16 to 1. Uh, I'm not feeling. The next guy that I would consider is Xander at 18 to 1. Again, back to that model, Xander, he's 10th in the model long range, but then he is third in my mid range and third in the short term. So he, he's a good fit here just overall, and then is playing well the last couple of events in the last couple of months and at 18 to 1 this this seems like a good fit for Xander in this course you don't have to be overly long but length helps you do need to gain off the tee he, he's very good on approach if he's hitting fairways he hits it long enough that he's going to be able to attack 
some of these shorter holes. He should have a lot of wedges in his hands, and he putts good on Bermuda. The next and only guy that I – he's the only guy that I've bet on so far, and he is my pick to win this week, is dropping down to Sanjay at 30-1. to Sanjay in that modeling, fifth long-term, he is – Second in the midterm, no, third in the midterm, and second in the short term. So, Sanjay, I like him starting to see some of these courses for the second time, the second year on tour. And then, this is something that's just pure narrative, but I want to keep a closer eye on. A lot of these President's Cups guys, President's Cup guys, are playing very well. To start the year, you got Cam Smith who got a win at Sony. You had Answer who finished second at the American Express. You had Leishman who got a win last week. I wonder if the event being so late in the year, with it being in December, just kind of helped these guys jump start and get off to a good start this year. And then Sanjay plays so often, you don't have to worry about him being rusty anyway. But you, you've seen it in other sports. You see guys who play. It happens a ton in the NBA. Guys make a U.S. national team. They make an Olympics team. And they get there, and they're surrounded by the best players in the world for how many ever weeks in training camp and all of that. They come out, and they have their career years, the best years they've ever had in the NBA, after playing on a national team, playing in the Olympics, playing for something like that. I've never really followed it that closely in golf, but it's something that I definitely want to keep an eye on this year to see if some of these international guys have some of the best years, if not the best years in their career, after playing on that team, being around each other, being in that environment. And it would just continue that narrative for Sanjay to play well this week. So he hits all the marks off the tee approach around the green putting. Anything you want to look at statistically, he's a fit. He's got that President's Cup narrative that I'm kind of looking at. And then I like his number at 30 to 1 in this field. But other than Webb at 14 to 1, I'm considering. Xander, I will bet at 18 to 1. Sanjay, I've bet at 30 to 1. And I am not going to go too much further below that the the one the other guy that i may consider is bubba at 30 to 1 he plays well here he played great last week i believe he led the field in t strokes and t to green last week this really you wouldn't think this would be a bubba environment i would think he would hate this environment but he he likes this course he's always played well here and bubba plays well at bubba courses so the The history that he has here should lead me to believe that he's going to play well here. I just don't know if he's going to win here or not. So I I haven't decided whether I'm going to bet him at 30 to 1. Definitely on Sanjay, definitely on Xander. And then I'll probably end up deciding between Webb and Bubba uh, if I fire another bullet. Other than that, not going to go too crazy this week. So who is your one and done pick? My one and done, I will go with Sanjay. And who you think's winning? One pick? Uh, I mean, I should probably say JT because I think he's the best player in the field. 
but just give me Sanjay across the board. Ooh. I'll pick him to win. I'll bet him to win, and he's my one and done. I love it. Steve, what do you got? Uh, pretty ballsy to burn up Sanjay M as your one and done, considering he plays every single week. I mean, if a plane crashes with every PGA Tour player on it except for him, yep. uh, you could take him any day of the week. All right. Uh, let's remind folks out there that last week uh, I picked Finau as my one and done. He came in ninth. I picked Reed as my semi-long shot. He came in ninth. And I picked Rom to win. He came in second. Just want to—I don't have any research to back this up, as I always say. So let me just go ahead and tell you uh, what to do here. Uh, as my long shot, like I picked Reed, like, not long shot, but you know the guy that's not a lot of guys are talking about. Gary Woodland, love him this week. Perfect for his game. Uh, I'm going to pick Rom to win again. I know it's lame. I'm still going to pick him. Best player in the world right now, and. You know, good Lord, he probably, how many Arizona State co-eds has he had sex with on this golf course, (laughs) on the greens? I mean, probably a lot. Uh, For my one and done, I'm going with Hideki. If you're not going to take Hideki this week, when would you ever take him? Um, I'm not going to take him, ever. (laughs) Okay, well, I got him this week. So, um, anyway, that's what I got. And let me tell you something. It was really Really difficult for me not to take Bryson this week. Um, I want it so bad. You just don't want to burn him this early. I just want. I just can't wait. You know, I think I think the Phoenix Open is the most overrated tournament in golf. I think it's a trash. Uh, I think it's it's like having an NFL fan base go to a golf tournament and they try to act like they embrace it, but it's complete trash. Um, everybody there is trash. If you're there this week, you're trash. Um, sorry. Uh, maybe this is why we're dropping a couple of listeners in the Phoenix area, but, uh, no, you're not trash. I would go there, but there's just so much shit going on. And I gotta be honest with you. I'd love to be in the crowd when Bryson hits the tee all four days. It's just gotta be like stand up comedy. Um, I, w- I would like to see that. Normally I, would avoid people coming back from overseas their first time back. But like Bryson, we've, we've covered that Bryson has no issue with jet lag. Bryson, Bryson will adjust just fine. (laughs) So uh, Bryson has been on Phoenix time since he left the course last Sunday. He's already been in Arizona, like mentally, if not physically. So, uh, if you're concerned about that, just don't worry about that with Bryson. Let, let, let's just be honest. The, the guy the guy that came over and put Bryson on the clock in Saudi Arabia or Dubai or wherever they were, he was really putting him on Phoenix time. Yes. So he's, been, he's had a long time to, to prepare for this. His body will be completely – and, you know, his – I assume he's done a lot of research on the air density in Phoenix. He's good to go. I just – like you said, Jace, I can't just I can't burn him yet. I'm gonna pick him not in my one and done, but he is gonna be my pick to win this week. I think he's gonna battle back from his um, his slow play penalty that he almost won that tournament. He's so he's playing good. I'm gonna pick Bryson to win, but my one and done. I'm gonna go a little off. No, I wouldn't say off the radar. I'm just I'm sticking to my strategy of just making cuts until I turn it on late in the season. I'm gonna peak for majors. 
I'm going to go with Daniel Berger this week. Um, <laughs> Woof. I've seen him kind of flash around some leaderboards. He drives it good. He's played good here in the past before some of his injuries. Um, I think he's going to make the cut, and that's really all I'm I'm picking in my one-and-dones right now, people that's going to make the cut. Because I really don't want to burn any of the guys that I really think are going to win this um, this early in the year for no reason. It's stupid probably to hold on to him. I'm not worried about picking him later on in the year really. So I'm going to go ahead and get him out of the way now and pick Daniel Berger as my one-and-done pick and Bryson to win it. So. Look, man, I took Vaughn Taylor a couple weeks ago, so I'm not. I can't talk too bad for him. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm. I'm still waiting on Nat, Nate Lashley to cash a check. <laughs> uh, I got. I, I have nothing to say basketball wise. Tech is sliding, um, <sighs> playing like freshmen. I went to the Kentucky game Saturday. It was raucous. It was really. Was I right? The, was I right about the crowd? No, no. It, we they were. I think the average ticket price was like $500. So, uh, you know, might have, it's hard enough to get to from Kentucky. There was a bunch of people before the game I saw there, but once you saw them in the stands, it was, you know, not a very big percentage, but there were still more than I thought I'd see all the way in Lubbock from Kentucky, but it was an incredible environment, tough overtime loss, good game, but it was loud and it was a, it was a really fun time. So no complaints about going, but, uh, Kentucky fans are poor is the moral of the story, I guess, is what you just told me. Well, you five, can't make that trip to Lubbock. Five, it, it's expensive to fly to Lubbock because it's not a big airport, and then $500 a ticket is – I mean, that's a that's a that's quite a weekend just to watch a college basketball game. So I can assure you it wasn't that much for them to travel to Columbia to watch them get taken down by the Gout King. Yes, that is correct. I got nothing. I'm not talking basketball this week. Um, got to beat West Virginia tomorrow. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Steve Fats got any extra basketball? What's what's the gout foot up to? What's your what's your listen? You're you're the you're the um you're the Fats is the you know gambling guy. Don't give me a 20 minute breakdown of it. What's the Super Bowl? What's going to happen? You like? I mean, well you got to take Bowl. the. I mean, is anybody betting the under? Which leads me to believe the under is the play. I mean, it's like 55 and a half or something. Uh, I, I don't and, know and, what I think about the Chiefs. I haven't been sold on them all year. They're playing way better than I thought they'd be. I, I still partly think their defense is, you know, stopping Henry's one thing. He's kind of the only thing they got. The 49ers run game is a whole different uh, animal. I don't know. I, all the Chiefs guys are talking about doing it for Andy Reid. I think they're going to go press a little bit too hard. I think the 49ers are the better team. But that offense, I don't know. They're they're pretty explosive. So, we'll – I've got one thing, I, my philosophy in the Super Bowl, and, and please feel free to do some research and tell me if I'm wrong because I don't do a lot of research, as you fats, you know. The best quarterback wins in the Super Bowl. It's almost explicitly true, and it's not even close in this game. Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo has had some good numbers this year, but it's not really – he's been very protected by his defense and his run game. The Chiefs' defense sucks. If their defense was even decent, um, they could put pressure you – know, they could, they could make 
they could. I just don't think they'll be able to push the game at all for them. But I, I think the Chiefs score twenty eight points in the first half, and if they don't pull a Falcons, they run away with it in the second half. That's that's what I think. It's probably wrong, but I'm usually right on this golf podcast at least. So maybe the NFL, you know, predictions will prove true as well. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I like. I watch a ton of the NFL or know. I mean, I know enough about these teams to get myself in trouble, but not to speak like I'm any authority. I do really like, like I hope Andy Reid wins, so I'll be pulling for the Chiefs. I've got a couple of friends who are 49ers fans, so I'll be happy for them if they win. I do think of most of the young, whatever, hotshot up-and-coming coaches, Shanahan's my favorite. I like him more than uh, the guy in Cincinnati. I like him more than um, McVay. I, I think Shanahan is the best young offensive mind in football. So it will not surprise me if San Francisco wins, but I, I'll be pulling for the Chiefs. Yeah. Hey, sh- shout out to Debo Samuel, South Carolina. He's like 150 to 1 to win Super Bowl MVP. Would not surprise me to see that guy get two, three touchdowns. Um, he's been their answer in a lot of situations uh, in the playoffs and in the late in the season. So, Does he return kicks for them? I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think they make him return kicks anymore. He was doing it earlier in the year. Do you know, Jace? I mean, like, I, I think they pulled him back from that role a little bit. I, I think they probably should. He's probably their most explosive you know, wide receiver. I mean, um, but Super Bowl, yeah, he's probably returning punts at the very least. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm anxious. You know, Texas Tech guy, been on the Mahomes train for quite some time. Um, so, you know, hope he plays well, cement himself as the greatest Texas Tech athlete, possibly with a win, passing Cheryl Swoops. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he can, you know, put well, that. When in, when in doubt, take the best quarterback. But I will throw this caveat down there. The best looking quarterback also usually wins. That's true. So it's a. Uh, I mean, frankly, Tom Brady has skewed that number quite a bit. Yeah. But B- both uh, ways. Good looking. That's exactly yeah. my whole point. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's see. Maybe it's a whole new era for the NFL. But regardless, um, who gives a shit? <laughs> Bats, you got anything else? You can talk any Auburn. You got nothing to say. No, I, I mean, I've been looking at my phone for the last 30 minutes. They're in double overtime right now oh. in a battle with Ole Miss. Uh, they played like burnt asshole. They're, they have no reason to even be in this game. Uh, I think they had two points the first 10 or 11 minutes. They've, they just they play terrible offensively on the road because we talked about it a little earlier. That they, they don't have a true point guard. They don't have anyone to initiate offense in the half court. So everyone plays so tentative. I wish they would just, if they just learned that, any possession that ends in a shot is a good possession. They'll be fine. Um, so hopefully they'll work through that. We do not need to lose to Ole Miss this week. That's a, that would be a bad loss. But then even if we do win or lose, I think we beat Kentucky at home Saturday. Game day will be on campus. We, we played much better at home, and Kentucky is just um, – they're not the the normal – Kentucky so I think we can catch them uh, this weekend hopefully put on a good show and we'll see okay yeah Fats will let you get to that double OT game it'll be a exciting finish I'm sure so I got nothing but else. I, 
I, I hope that you are referring to them as old miss as a derogatory term because I'm pretty sure we all are familiar with how to spell that. It's old miss, right? Jay, you know that even, Jace. That's a, even the big big even Big Twelve guys know it's not old miss. Did I say old miss? No, Fad said old miss. Oh, there's uh, no D. There's okay. no D. Yes. And then the I mean after Eli Manning retires and you're gonna do that shit. Uh, yeah. All right. Sorry, we're really off the rails, and I apologize. Okay, well, we'll see you next week for Pebble, right? Is that next week? Good. All right. Have a good one.